Hello, and thanks for joining us on the Christian Celebration Center podcast. Our prayer is that this audio will encourage you in Christ and challenge you from God's Word. Enjoy the message. Isaiah chapter 9, going to read the last part of verse 6. The word says, And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Talking about our God. And today we begin a new series called Names. And I believe God is going to speak to us, encourage us throughout this series. Lord, over these next few moments, I pray that you would speak into each one of our hearts. You see this church, but you see every single individual who's here today. And you know what they're walking through, you know what they have walked through, and you know what they will walk through. And I believe you have something for them even today. May it be so, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You might have heard of Ernest Hemingway's telling of a story about a father and his teenage son who became completely estranged. The son's name was Paco's. He had wrong, Paco, he had wronged his father and had ran away from home in his shame. Sometime later, the father searched all over Spain in order to find his son Paco, but he couldn't find him. Finally, while in the city of Madrid in a, a desperate last-ditch attempt to somehow find his son, he decided to place an ad in the main paper in the city of Madrid. The ad read with these words, Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana, noon Tuesday, all is forgiven, Papa. The father in Hemingway's story uh, prayed that the boy would see the ad somehow and that he would happen to be in the capital city of Madrid and that he would be willing to come to Hotel Montana to meet with him for a few moments. Well, on Tuesday at noon of that day, the father arrived at the hotel, and upon arrival, he was shocked. Because upon his arrival, he found an entire squadron of police officers have been called out to try to keep order among 800 boys. Come to find out, all 800 boys were named Paco, and all 800 of them were trying to find their father. Isn't there a need in every single one of us, a craving maybe we could even say, to have a relationship with a father? But not just any father, a father who is caring, kind, compassionate, a father who is tender yet strong, a father who is pure, a father who is honest, a father who is forgiving, that kind of father. And with that in mind, we come to our text today of Isaiah chapter 9, which was a prophecy about the coming Messiah who would come in the human form. In Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, we see this uh, prophetic word which says, for to us a child is more understand that this was a time, the nation of Israel, of hopelessness, of confusion, of darkness. And this chapter begins by saying there is a light that is coming into the darkness. 
Notice as well that this prophetic word that we're reading right now in Isaiah chapter 9 was proclaimed to the nation of Israel and to the world 700 years, 700 years before Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came. In verse 6, for to us a child is born. This was signifying and proclaiming that Jesus, the Son of God, would come in human form. It was signifying his humanity. And it goes on to say, and to us a son is given, signifying his deity, fully God, fully man. And on that day, 700 years before Jesus Christ stepped foot on this earth, what happened was the people were put on notice and they were being told, wait, wait, wait a second, there is confusion, there is hopelessness, there is darkness, but God is coming. God is coming, light is coming, hope is coming. And in this passage of Isaiah 9, we see that uh, all of this is pointing to the coming Messiah 700 years later, but it is also all pointing to the eternal reign of the Messiah, which we are still looking forward to experiencing. Now, in this passage, which is a messianic passage, a powerful passage in our Bible, Several names of the one true God, Yahweh, are revealed. We've read them already in our opening text. And he will be called, verse 6, and he will be called, what? He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And in today's message, we're going to focus in on one of those titles, and it's Everlasting Father. Everlasting, meaning eternal, continuing, forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Everlasting Father. And the title Father can quickly bring up images for all of us of our earthly father. We can't help it. But when we hear the word Father, we think about our personal experience with Father, whether that was good or whether that was not so good. In fact, what makes it's very difficult for uh, people to embrace the concept of everlasting father, to, to even be attracted to the concept and the truth of everlasting father is because of our experiences with our earthly fathers. And even if you had an earthly father that tried to do their absolute level best every single day, guess what? They fell short. Because all earthly fathers have fallen short, every single one. Scripture actually uh, recounts the stories of many fathers from cover to cover, none of them perfect. You could go through the pages and pull out story after story after story. I thought uh, the other day in preparation for this message about uh, one father named Jesse. Jesse had seven sons, I believe it was, and he, uh, uh, he had, in looking at his sons, um, this, this thought of, man, my sons have so much potential. And he, he thought there's so much, so, so much promise for each of his sons except for one. Except for the youngest, except for David. He didn't see David as being one that was up to par with the other ones. Come to find out, God chose him to be the king of the nation of Israel, and he ended up being a man after God's own heart. Jesse kind of missed the boat on that one, right? Think about, think about Joseph in the New Testament, who was married to Mary, who was chosen to be the earthly uh, father for Jesus in his younger years. He was listed in Scripture as being a righteous man. There was, there's much good said about Joseph. 
He was a righteous man, a devout man, a follower of God. And yet when he was on vacation one time, he completely forgot Jesus behind. Left him and just took off with all the other kids. Ouch, right? In Scripture, there are many fathers, but no perfect ones. In our lives, there are many fathers, but no perfect ones. I know for me, even when my first child was born on day one, I I just committed myself to be the best dad I could be, to be a great dad, a godly dad for my kids. And guess what? Fell short. Was not perfect. We don't have enough time today for me to share all the stories of how I have not been perfect as a father. The reality is that every earthly father falls short. Some say because of that, All of us, in some way, shape, or form, at some level or another, have a father wound. A father wound. Because of something that was said or done, or was done that hurt. Or something that was not said or not done, and that hurt. If that's true that every single one of us have a father wound, then we know that that's at various levels. And and, and I've read that, 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 and you see this in people's lives played out as well at times, that there are certain results or um, consequences of father wounds, things that come out of a father wound. It could be trouble trusting people, could be a response to a father wound. Uh, Living without emotion, uh, not being able to, to easily admit brokenness. Difficulty loving people, a a, a difficulty um, um, depending on other people, a fierce independence, if you have that in your life, could be the result of a father wound. Some say that there uh, there are situations where promiscuity and alcohol and drug use at times can be a response to a father wound, to a lack or to a hurt. There might be some people in this place who have a drivenness that others just don't have. Some of our drivenness can be attributed to a father wound. Not necessarily in every situation, but it can be. That, that, that desire to go, 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 to prove, to impress that you've got what it takes And deep down, deep down, deep down, there might be that desire to get dad's attention, to show dad that you are someone that he can be proud of. It's real. Do you remember the man in the Old Testament named Esau? We read about him in Genesis. His father, Isaac, son of Abraham, was close to death. In fact, he was blind. Uh, He was fading really, really fast. And he came to the end of his life and he knew that he needed to give the sacred fatherly blessing to his firstborn. And so he reaches out to his son and sends a message to him and says, go and and get some some wild game. Prepare me my favorite meal. Make it tasty because it's probably going to be my last one. And, And then when I'm done eating, then I'm going to give you the sacred fatherly blessing. And so Esau grabs his weapons, goes out into the woods, kills the first thing he can see. Hopefully it's an animal. No, I'm joking. He, he kills what he, what he finds and, and he brings it back and, and he's going to prepare the meal. Well, overhearing that conversation between dad and Esau was his wife and his younger brother. His wife, um, Rebecca, right, 
And I love having like a, a walking encyclopedia of the Bible right here with my dad. It's awesome. <laughs> Rebecca and then his younger brother Jacob, they overhear this. And so they, they, put together, they put together a heist. I mean, all of you that are Hallmark mystery lovers, I'm telling you right now, this would have been better. I'm telling you right now. Take out the romance and it's just straight up mystery. It would be perfect. Okay. Anyway. So... They go and they, they prepare a young goat. They try to make it taste for the spices and everything like it was wild game. And, and so Jacob dresses up like Esau and, and puts on some things on his arms because Esau was known to be a very hairy man. Put some animal skins on there. I don't know how that tricked him, but it did. And so they, they, they go in there and Jacob presents the meal. The, uh, the man eats the meal, loves it, and then afterwards places his hand on Jacob and gives him the sacred fatherly blessing. Okay. Jacob exits the tent. In walks Esau. He's got his cart with all of the wild game on. It's been prepared. He's ready to go to get this blessing. And uh, lo and behold, uh, when the food comes, Isaac is full. And he's like, who are you? And Esau's like, I'm your son. Like, I am your son. I'm Esau. And Isaac is devastated because he realizes that he had been tricked. And he gave the sacred fatherly blessing that would go normally to the firstborn to the secondborn. Now to us, I'm like, well, yeah, okay, um, doesn't he have another blessing? Does it, what? Back in that time, that was what they did. And when Esau realizes that the blessing is gone, that he's not going to experience it from his father, Genesis chapter 27 verse 34 says this, he, Esau, burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me. Bless me too, father. The New Living Translation says, Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too. He begged. Do you hear the longing in his voice, the craving to have his father's blessing? Understand, this is not a little kid upset that he has to go to bed early. This man at this time, known to be about in his 40s, Scripture describes him as being married at this time. He was described as brave. Uh, he was also described as a leader of men. He had soldiers under him. He was a general. And Scripture even mentions that he was hairy. Now, um, why is that important? It's not that important. But I just make the point to say that Esau in his 40s at this time, in the cultural construct of that day, would have been described as a very manly, strong dude. And this manly strong dude in his 40s begins to weep and to cry like a baby because he did not get his father's blessing. This man, longing, craving for one word from his father. Please, dad, please tell me you love me. Please tell me you're proud of me. Would you please tell me that I have what it takes? Would you please speak into my life? Now today I can't go back in time and change how your earthly father treated you. And I can't cause your father to change how he treats you now. And if your father has passed away, I can't bring him back. But what I can do is take a few moments to share what your perfect heavenly father offers you because I want you to know and I want you to get this the perfect 
everlasting Father is not like your earthly father. Even if you had the best dad in this room, hear me. The perfect, everlasting, eternal father is not like your earthly father. Now, your earthly father, if he was seeking the Lord, uh, might, might have had some characteristics in his life that reflected, reflected the heavenly father. But understand, the reflection of the eternal heavenly father is not based on earthly father. Heavenly father is not like your earthly father. And that might seem so basic, but some of us need to get that. Because heavenly eternal father is in a crowd all by himself. He's in a category that's unmatched. He is, there's no one else that's even close. No one else is like, man, you are so much like the heavenly. No, no, no. No one is even close to him. He's not looking to earthly fathers to get cues on how to be a perfect father. He is in a category all by himself. Perfect heavenly father. And I don't know how your earthly father treated you, but can I just say that perfect heavenly father offers you some things in such fashion and at such a level that earthly father can never touch it, can never touch it. Number one, heavenly father offers you a full and forever adoption. A full and forever adoption. John chapter 1 says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, the name of Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. You were born into an earthly family. And being in that earthly family does not put you into God's family. Okay? Some people like to say, hey, we're all God's children. No, we're all God's creation. What we see in Scripture is that you are part of an earthly family. But when you place your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and confess him to be your Lord and Savior, in that moment, in the blink of an eye, quicker than that, you are transported into heavenly family. Now you have been adopted, a full and forever adoption where God takes you. You're in this earthly family. You still are in that family. But now you are in an eternal family, the body of Christ. Now you are blessed with brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why some of us might feel closer to other followers of Jesus than we do some of our own relatives if they aren't believers. Because we have stepped into, or I should say, God has brought us into the family of God. A full and forever adoption. Full rights and privileges of a son or of a daughter of God himself. We see this also in Romans chapter 8 and other places in the scripture. Verse 15 says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received at your salvation brought about your adoption to sonship. And we cry, as a result of being adopted into God's family, we can say, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's 
children. Now it's said that in the Roman world at the time of the writing of the letter to the Romans that slaves were never allowed to utter the word Abba for their master, for the head of the household. It was a, a, a term of endearment, of closeness that only sons and daughters could use. And because of our adoption into the family of God, we are given access to God where we can have such a closeness where we can call out Abba, Father. It was a, a term that, that, that um, brought out the significance of relationship. It brought out the significance of closeness, of presence, of being together. And as adopted sons and daughters, we are included. Words in the New Testament we read, welcomed, accepted, chosen, set apart, called, holy. Because of the privileges that are given to us as a son or as a daughter. We are given the privilege to approach the throne of grace with confidence. We are given the privilege to enjoy God forever in all that he provides. Think about your refrigerator that's in your kitchen right now. I would guess that not everyone that you know of has access to that refrigerator. The Amazon delivery person probably can't come in and just get whatever he or she wants out of the refrigerator. The mail lady can't get whatever she wants out of the refrigerator, right? I'm guessing that the little kid that you don't even know who they are, they just ride their bike around the neighborhood. They're not allowed to just come in and get anything they want out of the refrigerator. But family's different. Family's different. In our refrigerator, you would see that there is nothing in the refrigerator that has a name on it. It's not like, oh, this is Lacey's and Lacey's alone. Do not touch. It's not like that. It's all fair game for family. Family's there. Family can open up that fridge and eat whatever they want. Whatever they want. God has given us a privilege as a son or a daughter to be family. Giving us privileges that we did not have before. Access we did not have before. Closeness we did not have before. The ability to experience and enjoy God like we could not before. It's a full and forever adoption. Secondly, God offers us a genuine and timely Affirmation. Affirmation is something that many of us crave, if not all of us, at some point in our lives. And God offers a genuine and timely affirmation again and again and again and again. Reminds me when uh, we went on a number of missions trips, there was an activity that we would do, and that was something called words of life. And so what would happen is uh, we'd get the group and we would put a chair in the middle. And we would call on a student to sit in the middle and then they're in their chair with chairs all around them with their peers and leaders. And then they're facing the first person. That first person would speak words of life into them. And then they would turn their chair and go to the next person. That took a lot of time. But we did it for every single one of them on the trips when we were doing words of life. And peers and, and leaders would speak into them and say, you know what, when I saw you do that, that was awesome. The, the compassion that you have was just off the charts. I, I want you to know that I'm proud of you. You know what? I believe God is speaking to you that, that he, has, he has a plan for your life. There were prophetic words that were given, like students, giving other students prophetic words, words of knowledge, and just words of affirmation. I'm telling you, when that student got up from that chair after having who knows how many people speak 
into their life, looking into their eyes, words of life. Every single one got up. You should have seen the smile on their face. Their head was a lot higher. They just heard words of life. It was affirmation. Now, with that being said, understand that when Jesus walked the face of the earth, fully God, obviously, but he was also fully man. He endured temptation. He experienced rejection. He experienced abuse, emotional and physical. He experienced, at times, uh, even even dark, 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 discouraging moments. And so with that backdrop, it helps us to appreciate what Heavenly Father spoke to him on the day of his water baptism that we read about in Matthew chapter 3. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus, fully God, also fully man. Understanding emotion, understanding discouragement, understanding rejection. And all of a sudden, in Mark's account, the gospel says that heaven was torn open. Imagine that in your mind right now. It was torn open. An everlasting heavenly father speaks to God the son, Jesus, and says, this is my son. This is my son. Reminds me when our kids uh, were born, the, 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 the pride, the excitement, the joy. Hold them in your arms for the first time. This is my son. This is my daughter. Anybody here, you want to try to take them out of my arms right now? I don't think so. Right? Maybe if I let someone close hold them. Two seconds, maybe, and I'm probably like this underneath just to make sure there's not a drop. I don't want to fumble. This is my son. This is my daughter. You get it? Scripture says, Heavenly Father tore heaven open. This is my son. Imagine what that meant to Jesus. He's living in the squalor of planet earth, having enjoyed the pleasures of heaven. All of eternity, people are hating him. He's going through whatever he's going through as a human being. All the emotions that we have experienced, he experienced. And all of a sudden, voice from heaven, heavenly father says, this is my son. Goes on and says, whom I love. Father God was like, I love him no matter what anybody else says. Even if other people hate him, I love him. Nothing's going to change my love for my son for all of eternity. This is my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. This statement right here in the Greek brings out deep feeling of, of, of something like this. I could not be more pleased with my son ever. And remember, this was spoken before Jesus, at least as, as recorded, healed anybody, taught anything. This is my son whom I love. Him I am well pleased. And you from your earthly father might have heard that you don't measure up, that you don't have what it takes, that you're not good enough, not smart enough, not obedient enough, not pretty enough, not strong enough. But can I just share with you what God says to you? 
perfect, everlasting, eternal father. He says, you are his workmanship. He says, you are the apple of his eye. For those of you who have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God says to you, you are my son, you are my daughter. Because of my grace, you have what it takes. And I've got you no matter what. See, what Heavenly Father speaks over us is a, a genuine, and it's always a timely affirmation. And it's one that you can have every single day as you're in the Word, as you're worshiping, hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. A genuine and timely affirmation. Third, although there's so many that we could share, the third one I want to share today of what Heavenly Father offers you is this. A complete and compassionate awareness. A complete and compassionate awareness. Moments ago I, I referenced the word Abba, which was a term of endearment for a child to speak to their father, a teenager to speak to their father, even an adult to speak to their father. Abba, Father, I, I love you, I trust you. It's a term of closeness. It's only actually used three times in the New Testament. One of those times it's used by Jesus himself in praying to the perfect everlasting father. And it happened in, uh, up to that point, his darkest, most discouraging, anxious filled, if you will, moments of his life on earth. It happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. Chapter 14 of Mark says, they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. Notice that. My soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus' vulnerability in this moment is refreshing. Where he is admitting, I don't know if I can go on. He's admitting that the, the, the weight of, the weight of discouragement, of pressure, of the daunting task ahead, of, of, of all of that. The weight of being alone as far as human beings not being around him. The weight of all of that was crushing him. And he was admitting to Abba Father that his soul was overwhelmed to the point of death. Jesus could do that because he had full confidence that everlasting Father saw him. Everlasting Father was completely aware of where he was at in that moment. Completely aware of what was going to happen, of what it would take. And in that moment, Jesus reveals something, how we are to relate to Abba Father, the perfect heavenly Father. And that is with total trust. With total vulnerability, we can share anything with him. 
and he cares. And we can trust that he is with us. We have placed our faith in him to the very, very, very end. Abba, Father, that no matter what, no matter what, Heavenly Father says, I'm there. I've got you. 1988, a massive earthquake hit the country of Armenia. You might remember that, those of you a little older, over 30,000 people were killed. Immediately after the earthquake, one father left the safety of his home and the area of the city that he was in, and he rushed to the elementary school where he had dropped his son off earlier that morning. He was devastated upon his arrival to find that the school had been crushed. Had been completely leveled. And the father had previously made a promise to his son. It was this, no matter what, I will always be there for you. I will always be there for you. And now, as he looked at the reality of the situation, elementary school leveled, uh, no kids in sight. It hit him like a ton of bricks. Now quickly remembering where his son's class was, he ran to the rubble and began to pull off stones and boulders. Rescue teams had also just arrived, but it was too late. The people began to tell the man to stop, to stop it. It's a waste of time. There's no way these kids survived this destruction. They told him to go home and to face reality, but with each person that would tell him to stop, he would turn to them and say, but that's my son. Well, he dug for eight hours, 12 hours, 24 hours, 36 hours, and finally at the 40th hour, he pulled back one more boulder and heard a faint voice. He knew the voice. It was his son. There were 13 other kids with his son who had been trapped into a small wedge the earthquake had created. And during the 40 hours, the kids being trapped in the rubble, the son kept telling his classmates, it's going to be okay. If my father survived the earthquake, he will come. The son insisted that his dad pull out all the other kids, waiting until the end, and then he fell into his dad's exhausted arms. And the son said this, Father, I told them you would come. You know, I've been wondering as I've been preparing this message, why 700 years before Jesus stepped foot on the earth, God, why would you reveal uh, an, a name that brings up sometimes so much pain? Father. Why would you reveal yourself as being everlasting Father? Understand, this was not a theme in the Old Testament. There's only a handful of times you will find in the entire Old Testament where God is referred to as Father. Interesting. And yet, in the context, which was 700 years before Jesus stepped foot on the earth, the prophecy comes out that there is one coming. He's God. And he will be known, sure, as mighty God. Sure, wonderful counselor. He knows everything. Sure, sure, prince of peace. He's going to bring peace to the earth. Yeah, yeah, but everlasting father. And I was like, God, why did you do that? Well, here's the thing. I believe the reason why God reveals himself as everlasting father is because he was bringing 
to this earth a relational aspect that the people of the Old Testament, Old Covenant, before the coming of Christ could ever have experienced. Once we get to the New Testament, how many know things change? New covenant, new relationship, new ways of relating to God through Jesus. In the New Testament, what I counted was it's 114 times that God is referred to as Father. It was a way of relating to God that others could have done experience in the Old Covenant. You see, God reveals himself to us as everlasting Father. Knowing that our earthly fathers all fell short. But that he, as heavenly, perfect, complete, everlasting father, was in a category all by himself. And he wants to have relationship with you. He wants you to be able not just to be in right relationship with him, but to be in constant relationship with him. That no matter what you're walking through, you can pray, Abba, Father. And know that he's listening. And know that he cares. And know that he has given you a full and forever adoption. Knowing that he has given you a, 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 a complete and compassionate awareness every single day. And a genuine and timely affirmation as you seek him. That's our God. Would you please bow your heads? Thank you for listening. You know, we believe God has something amazing in store for you today. And now is the perfect time to take a few moments and pray about what you just heard. If this message spoke to you, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to office at cccmidland.com or connect with us on your favorite social media at cccmidland.